Well, quite a response to the cooling in US inflation, pushing US equities to 15-month highs. But was it that big a deal? And was the size of the response on the markets warranted? It's a fair question because other central banks are still worried about core inflation and it's still an issue for the United States. It's not game over yet. But big moves down in yields, a fall in the US dollar, plus all change for the RBA. Longer and less often is the gist of it. We'll look at all of that today. Plus the day ahead, it's Thursday, the 13th of July, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a 1.1% drop in the US dollar this morning with a 1.5% increase in the Aussie dollar, almost to 67.9 US cents. The euro also up more than 1%. The pound is up 0.4%. And big falls in bond yields. 10-year treasuries are down 11 basis points. UK 10-year gilts are down 15. Two-year gilts are down 21 basis points today. And Aussie 10 years yesterday, well, they fell six basis points down to 4.12%, but down to 4.03% on futures overnight. So big moves there as well. And U.S. equities are on the rise, particularly the Nasdaq up 1.2% at close. The S&P has climbed 0.7%, 0.3% for the Dow. Whilst in Europe, big moves up 1.7% for the Eurostox 50 and 1.8% for the FTSE 100. Oil is up again too as well. WTI up 1.2%, Brent rising 0.9%, back over $80 a barrel, uh, even with a surprisingly large increase in inventories in the United States, almost 6 million extra barrels added last week. And gold has also climbed over 1%. So how much of this exuberance stems from yesterday's US inflation numbers? Let's talk about that with NAB's Tapper Strickland in Sydney, because core inflation in June, well, it was expected to ease month on month from 0.4% down to 0.3%, but it actually came in at 0.2%, which is 4.8% year on year, which is a big step in the right direction. And the headline rate sounds even better, doesn't it? Going down from 4% to 3%. So happy days, Tapas. Well, the market seem to think so anyway, don't they? Looking at the response this morning. Good morning, Phil. Happy days indeed. And all those market moves you mentioned in your intro, entirely due to what happened with the US CPI. And you mentioned how core CPI printed at 0.2% month to month. If you look at it in unrounded terms, it was a very low 0.2. So it actually came in at 0.158%. And the three-month annualized was running at 4.1%. So inflation uh, is starting to ease back and perhaps easing back a little bit more quickly uh, than what some people had thought. And when you look at some of the components, um, you could say maybe driven by a few one-offs. So you did see a 8.1% plunge in airline fares and a 2% fall in hotel room rates, which may correlate with your earlier anecdote of Disneyland in in the US. Um, But what is interesting is when you strip out all those volatile movements and you look at the core trim mean measure for for the CPI, that's been running at 0.2% month to month since March. Mm. Then in three-month annualized terms, it's running at 3.2%. So 3.2% is showing a lot of disinflation. They're not quite um, at where the Fed wants it to be, which is closer to, to two, at least on the PCE measure. But it does suggest that more progress is being made on the inflation front than what we probably would have thought just a couple of months ago. Yeah. Well, the Wall Street Journal today is saying, well, what about if you measure it a bit more like uh, in Europe and take out the sort of imputed rent? So you get the core HICP measure, then that gets even lower. So that does get to, you know, you get the 3% rate, which is pretty much the same as the headline rate. So it brings it down uh, that little bit further. Oh, indeed. And even if you kept the housing component in the US CPI and replaced it with actually transacted rents instead of the average outstanding rent in in, in the imputed, uh, you would have an even lower CPI figure there. 
So uh, I think for, for markets, at least they're seeing, um, they're almost seeing, starting to see the other side of this, at least in terms of risk assets. Um, they're seeing uh, inflation easing and no surprises to see the uh, reaction you have seen in markets. So the US dollar obviously up by about 1.1% and you've seen the SP 500 up by around 0.8%. So very, very strong in terms of risk assets. It's very strong, but is it is it too much? So if you look at, for example, the headlines out today, all going crazy. So Bloomberg, 3% flags end of emergency, turning point for the Fed. But, you know, is it that much? I mean, we're still expecting a hike, aren't we, from the Fed? It's one result. I mean, are we reading too much into all of this? Well, I thought the market reaction was pretty, pretty instructive here. So when you actually look at Fed funds pricing, um, it was a little changed for the July August, oh, sorry, for the July, September, and November meeting. So there's about 22.2 basis points price for July, so about 90% price for a rate hike in July. And there's a cumulative 30.9 basis points price by November. And that's compared to 35.7 basis points yesterday. Um, so not much of a move, but basically five, five basis points down. But what is interesting is the degree of cuts that are being priced into the curve. So when you look at um, rate cuts by the end of 2024, um, it's now implying 153 basis points worth of cuts, whereas yesterday it was implying 133 basis points worth of cuts. So our market's still suggestive of the Fed peaking pretty much closely where they thought it was going to be yesterday, but perhaps a bit more aggressive in terms of cuts uh, in 2024 as inflation eases and perhaps as the economy um eases back as well. And going back to your earlier point, in terms of how Fed officials are likely to react to this, um, I think they're going to be very cautious in not reacting to one positive monthly inflation read. And if you cast your mind back to 2021, you did have a few uh, low inflation reads that was then followed with a re-acceleration in, in inflation. So you could say markets and the Fed both got, got head faked on the transitory inflation narrative there. And so I think what they want to see is sequential progress. So another few months of relatively good inflation prints before they become more confident here. And I think most Fed officials still think the labor market has to weaken in order to be more confident in inflation returning back to target. And just reminded by what the Fed's Mester said uh, earlier this week, and she said, wages are still growing at an annual rate of four and a half to five percent. This is well above the level consistent with two percent inflation. And there was only one Fed speaker really who spoke post the CPI numbers, and that was the Fed's Barkin. And he said, inflation is too high. Our target's two percent. If you back off too soon, inflation comes back strong, which then requires the Fed to do even more. So I think here's probably enough for the Fed to go uh, one or two more times. Um, probably not enough for them to go any more than that, but really to get the Fed um, thinking about cutting rates, what they need to see is the labour market weakening so they can be more confident that inflation is going to stay at about 2 2%. Well, we get uh, the PPI for June. I mean, the the uh, core, I think, is expected to get as low as 2.6% month on month, isn't it? If I got that right? So that would, I mean, if, we come, if it comes in at that or lower, uh, then presumably that could uh, add to the exuberance we're seeing. And, and it's Thursday, so we get the jobless claims as well. So it's going to be interesting, given that there's so much focus on jobs, what direction they take today. Oh, definitely. And uh, I think it all goes into the whole, um, will firms be forced to reduce the amount of price increases due to easing uh Input costs, mm. as the kind of PPIs would would, would suggest. Well, that was that was um, pointed out. That was pointed out in the. Sorry to interrupt. I'll let you get back in a second. But that was pointed out just because you made that point in the beige book, which is out this morning. There was a slight rise in economic activity, but a slowdown is expected. And some of the respondents in the survey were saying because of that, there was a reluctance 
to raise prices, which is obviously exactly what we want to see. And the Fed would say, yes, well, this is our policy at work. Thank you very much. Uh, definitely. Okay. And looking ahead to profit reporting season. So um, profit reporting season is all, already underway and we get the big US banks on Friday and we get uh, more industrial companies uh, in the next few weeks. Um, key will be around that kind of profit margin area. And if CPI inflation is easing back, um, then um, the profit margins of these firms may be also easing back a little bit as well from uh, perhaps some extra um, price rises that we did see during during the pandemic. So that will be interesting for risk assets and to see how they adjust. So obviously risk markets are very optimistic on inflation pulling back, but also that's also coming because uh, firms are finding it harder to increase prices as well. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it's, it's being, but they'll be pulled in each direction. It'll be interesting to see where they ultimately end up, won't it? Uh, so look, the strength in the Aussie today, obviously that is back on the uh, on the back of the exuberance in the United States and the fact we haven't had any bad China news today might be something to do with it. Uh, but also, I mean, let's talk about the RBA uh, and the, uh, the the speech gave by Philip Lowe yesterday. So meetings are going to be longer and less often. That was one of the uh, key takeouts, wasn't it? Uh, definitely. And in many respects, those changes are bringing the RBA into more standard practice that we do see offshore, particularly from the US, uh, from the ECB and from the RBNZ. So the RBA has said they're going to only meet eight times a year from February 2024. Currently, they meet 11 times um, and four of those meetings will be on the first Tuesday of February, May, August and November. So for all economists out there who want to enjoy Melbourne Cup, um, unfortunately, that's not going to be the case. Uh, they're still going to be meeting on the first Tuesday of November. And not only that, they're going to publish the state of monetary policy on the same day and there's going to be a press conference at 3.30 p.m. So um, I think I'll have to get my bets in early. Completely missed the cut. Definitely. <laughs> Why would they do that? Honestly, Jesus. And they also are going to be, I mean, more people like you, uh, Tapas, if you're still at the RBA, they're going to be listening more to their staff is one of the things they're promising as well. So it's not just the decision by the board. Uh, definitely. Um, and I guess the bits that they didn't really cover from the recent RBA review, and I was a little bit disappointed in this, is that there was no real discussion about the review's recommendation for the board to target the midpoint of the 2 to 3% target. Um, at, if you recall, Governor Lowe has been phrasing the return of inflation to target as getting to 3% by mid-2025. Um, and so um, when the next governor is, is appointed, um, it'll be interesting to see how they uh, adopt it and whether they do adopt the board's recommendation of getting to the midpoint uh, of 2 Two to three percent. The reason why I bring that up is um, if the RBA does adopt that, then uh, policy may have to be a little bit more tighter to get inflation back to target a little bit sooner than perhaps what uh, Governor Lowe has been characterising it as. Right. Question is: Is he going to be the one who uh, sees through all of this, or is he going to be gone in September? Is the and is the space for him at the Macquarie Group or wherever governors go these days? <laughs> um, <laughs> did he give anything away though about uh, monetary policy yesterday as well, or was it really just focusing? On the uh, on the plan for, for 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 the future direction of the of the RBA, uh, he gave a few comments on monetary policy, and you'd have to say his comments were more balanced than they were over the past two speeches, where he came across as relatively more hawkish. And in Q and A, Dr. Lowe did say he had a completely open mind in regards to whether the RBA had had to do more, and that was to be determined. Uh, and he also said he was confident that higher rates were were working. So I think for the August board meeting, what's going to be very important is Q two CPI on the twenty sixth of July. And also the updated star forecast for the outlook as well. And uh, in our view, at least, um, although our forecast for Q2 CPI broadly in line which, with which uh, the RBA was forecasting back in May, uh, we think there's going to be very sticky services inflation within the details of that. And that's going to continue in Q3. So progress in getting inflation back to target is going to be slower than what the RBA had thought back in May. And the RBA will need to do um, 
two more hikes in order to uh, reduce the risk uh, of getting inflation back to 3, 3% by mid-2025. Now, two central banks yesterday, the RBNZ on hold. So I'm not sure whether we can assume the cash rate has peaked and it's all under control there. Certainly not for the Bank of Canada. They lifted rates by 25 basis points, which was expected, so up to 5% now, which is the highest in 22 years. But if you listen to Tiff Macklem, uh, I mean, it, the, there's a suggestion that they may well have held this time. So obviously it was a, it was a borderline decision. Oh, definitely. When you look at market pricing, I think they're only pricing about a 50% chance of a follow-up hike by the end of the year. And the key reason for the Bank of Canada having moved is their forecast for CPI inflation was pushed out in terms of getting back to target. So now they only think they're going to get back to 2% by the middle of 2025, whereas previously it was the end of 2024. Um, So um, need a little bit more assurance in terms of getting inflation back to target, but it seems like they're reasonably happy with that revised forecast as well. And I thought what was also interesting in there was they had a little bit of discussion around how immigration was both adding to demand and supply to the economy with newcomers helping to ease a shortage of workers while also boosting consumer spending and adding to demand for housing. So potentially the increase in labour supply is short-term inflationary. Um, so I think that's really interesting in the context of Australia, which has seen a massive boom in migration over the past year, about 575,000 people being added to Australia's population, but also has parallels in New Zealand as well, which opened up its borders later and is only just feeling that migration surge as well. So why has the, I mean, a small rise in the pound today, uh, thank goodness the Aussie dollar has recovered, but a big drop in gilt yields in the in the UK, particularly at the front end, um, um, despite the expectations you know, that the Bank of England still has a lot to, to do and, uh, you know, maybe getting rates as high as 6.5% there. And there's not been a lot of data. What, what there has been has been the uh, British Retail Consortium Retail Survey, which showed actually the shopping picked up 4.9% year-on-year in June, up from 3.9% a month ago. I mean, this is, uh, in, in actual terms, in, in you know, not, not allowing for inflation. So actually, you know, the spending is down, but it's picked up a bit month on month. So you would have thought, you know, the situation is getting worse not better and yet obviously there's some expectation that maybe the bank of england is not going to go as far as we thought they would do perhaps a couple of days ago i definitely i think some of it obviously is in reaction to the u.s cpi which may hold a few parallels given uh, the u.s seems to be leading uh, global inflation here and indeed in australia at least we've been lagging the trends in the u.s by about Mm. uh six to nine months so that's giving us greater confidence that uh, we'll get back to target although in the near term, it looks like inflation is a little bit sticky there. Um, for the UK, I think it was a combination of uh, uh, Governor Bailey gave a few comments uh, overnight and highlighted, and you're discussing this with um, Ken in regards to the UK uh, labour market report, um, that there was a seven so there was a seven tenth jump in the unemployment rate in the month. And uh, Bailey said there had been some deterioration in the labour market, although wages growth had uh, was relatively high. So I think that's probably got some people thinking that maybe the um, the Bank of England doesn't have to hike rates as high as um, as, as you think. And indeed, if, if, if the economy is uh, de- deteriorating, then perhaps they need to, once they get to that um, term, terminal rate, they may need to um, start cutting rates relatively quickly after that. So when you look at market pricing for a um, for a 50 basis point move uh, in um, August, that's been pared down just a little bit as yeah. well. 
All right, we've already mentioned US PPI uh, happening today. Also, New Zealand retail card spending Australia's consumer inflation expectations. China's balance of trade, UK GDP, which is expected to show a slide in the in the three month average, uh, plus industrial production for the euro area. We are very short of time, so if you want to pick on one of them, you can. If you don't want to, we'll just move on. Tapas, take your choice. Sure. I th- yeah. Sure. I think the two most important is going to be uh, the Chinese too, trade balance. So, um, so if so, any miss on that would add to greater fears of slowing in the Chinese economy. Meaning you'll need to see greater calls for fiscal stimulus. And indeed, um, some notions of fiscal stimulus and some stabilisation in the property sector, as you were discussing with Rodrigo earlier in the week, has been part of the reason mm-hmm. why the Aussie has started to recover. Um, and then in terms of the US, the PPIs we're discussing earlier, and also jobless claims, which have been starting to trend a little bit higher over recent weeks. Well, let's hope the Fed gets what they want on uh, on that front. But generally, a good news day today, isn't it? Good to talk, Tabas. Cheers. Uh, thanks, Phil. And that's it. That's the morning call for this uh, Thursday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.